0: Please stand in honor of God's word, and I'd like to read to you the first 17 verses. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And on account of these, the wrath of God is coming." Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion and kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if any one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. God, we ask Your blessing on our time. We ask that Your Holy Spirit would teach us now. God, mark us uh, with the message of your word. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning we continue in uh, the book of Colossians. And for those of you who are familiar with this passage, you realize we've hit a mountaintop, um, that we've stumbled upon a, a big pile of gold And uh, in the weeks and maybe months to come, we'll be plodding through chapter 3. And I I just want to tell you, you're not going to want to miss it. You know, I I don't want to be that guy, uh, that guy that's, hey, stay tuned next week for the continuing saga of Colossians chapter 3. But this is an amazing passage, not because I'm an amazing preacher, but because we get to the place where God is going to show us from His Word what it means to live with Christ and uh, to what that's going to mean for us. This passage, we come upon it, and it's a status change, if I can say it that way. It's a defining moment. It's the way we define ourselves. If I were to ask you, uh, who are you, uh, you would describe yourself in certain ways you would say, maybe some of you say, well, I'm a Californian. Others of you, maybe not. You would say, you know, I'm from the great state of Texas and I'm a Texan. Please. Um, Anyways, (laughs) others of you would, uh, don't mess with Texas. It's got enough problems of its own. Um, I better stop now and just continue (laughs) to go. Others of you would talk about your nationality. You know, I would say, uh, I'm German and you would say you're... American, like cheese, or what you know American cheese ain't so good, but you yeah anyway I'm an American, uh, you're scotch, I thought that was a drink uh, yeah, yeah, scotch, you know, they don't have an American drink, I'm pretty sure, um, you think about the way we define ourselves, we define ourselves, and this passage right here that we 're going to look at is one of those defining passages. It's one of those things that, uh, it, so, so we've been talking the last couple of weeks in the chapter two where it says, beware of those taking you captive through empty philosophies and uh, teachings. And then last week we looked at a passage that says, don't trust in a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and do nots and, and these lists of things. It's kind of paint by numbers. How, you know what paint by numbers is, right? Paint by Numbers was made for little boys. I just want to tell you that. Because little boys, what they do, and I have some experience with this personally as well as in my own household, they grab the brown. They grab the brown, and when you color, you just go, done, you know. And girls have a little bit more creativity. I'm a non-creative person. And so the idea of painting by numbers is really great. You know, you just, number six is blue. You get the blue, and you fill in all that. It's simple, and yet, to walk with Christ is not paint by numbers. It's to walk with Christ. And so, in chapter 2, he, uh, he shares with us that it's not paint by numbers. It's not a bunch of rules and lists and, and festival calen- calendar events. It is Christ. Those things are the hidden part. We are not looking for that which is hidden, the shadow part. We are looking for the substance is Christ. And so as if you were walking and you didn't know anything about who Christ is and you'd been with us the last few months and you're like, okay, I understand Christ is everything. All the fullness of deity dwells in him. And in walking with Christ and being with him, I too can experience that fullness. I realize there are other uh, philosophies and spiritual ideas out there. I I know that, but Christ is what I'm supposed to cling to. I understand that, but what do I do? Chapter three is where we're going to start. What do we do? How do we live this way? What are the implications of the gospel? How does that fix our mindset? How does that change us? So we're in Colossians chapter three. I want to warn you too um, that this is not minor or insignificant, This is not minor or insignificant. This isn't something that, you know, I'm having a little trouble with this. You grab a pill and you pop it and you're you're back on track. It's it's significant. It's far more significant than we ever want to imagine. And so uh, be prepared. Colossians chapter three, starting at verse one. We first look at the living of the resurrected life, living of the resurrected life. Verse 1 starts out, since or if, if then you have been raised with Christ. When you see the word raised in the New Testament, it should trigger in you and say, is that the raised, the the good kind of raised? Is that the one that they're talking about? If you understand what this is, what is this? What is raised? The resurrection, right? We're going to celebrate that at Easter this year and uh, probably next year too and the year after that until he comes. Uh, but we're going to celebrate the resurrection. And yet look at this passage. It's it's if, it's since, it's because of, it's the prerequisite, it's the foundation for what's to come. So let's stop here for a minute. Uh, if you haven't been raised with him, if you don't understand, if you haven't been connected with Christ in his death and resurrection, then the part that I'm going to talk about really isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. The last few verses, the last part of chapter 2, talks about those lists, the do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. It talks about uh, really the, the rules, that, uh, the spiritual rules that many of us grew up under, and it says those don't work. Those don't work. And they're they're part of this world. Did you did you know that? That even if you never were part of church, there's rules in this world that will be better for you. Uh, in our culture of articles that have five things and two tips and twelve ideas and stuff like that, there's twelve things you can do to lose twelve pounds in twelve weeks. Right. And we like those sort of things, but I want to tell you, those don't work when it comes to the things of God. Those don't work. In fact, the end of chapter two pictures it, and forgive me for saying it this way, but I'm going to. It's like a treadmill. It's like a treadmill. Have you ever been on a treadmill? How far did you get? What, what you weren't working very hard? You know, what's interesting about a treadmill is that if you just stand there, you stand there for an hour, just stand there. And some of you, maybe as slow as you go, maybe it's just like standing. You end up that time, you say, well, I didn't get anywhere. And then others of you are like, I'm going for it i 'm going to pump it as, as hard as I can, and the faster you run, the little belt you know you, and you feel like that little squirrel you know you're i like, 'm going i 'm going and in the end you, you, for an hour you 're exhausted you 're sweating you 're ready to pass out, and you go i didn 't go anywhere that 's what some of us are living our life like right today. That, that we've tried to be good and we've tried to uh, fulfill everyone's things. We go, I, I know what it is to be a good moral person. I know what it is to do well in school. I know what it is to uh, pay my bills. I know what it is. And there's this sense of, am I okay? And you're looking for people to validate somehow that you're okay. And it's like this treadmill. And at the end, you realize you're like, I'm exhausted. And I still am not at the place with God where I need to be. I still don't feel right with him. That's because the only way that we can be right with him is through Jesus and what he did on the cross, his death and resurrection. And so, before we go any further, I just want to tell you hop off that treadmill. Hop off that treadmill, that spiritual treadmill of trying to be good. Jesus wants you to come be with him, he wants you to identify with his death and resurrection not with your own good works. So that's where we start this morning in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are above. He, He says... You know about what it is to be down here, right? You know what it is to, to follow the five rules or the twelve steps or the uh, 15 ideas or whatever. You know what it is to live life spiritually down here. If you 've been raised with Christ, if you have relationship with him, seek the things above. Seek the things above. What's happening here in this passage is super important for us to see. He turns us, he, he turns us from down here to up there. Seek the things that are above. Why? Why? Because the things down here didn't work, they, they didn't work. They, they were that treadmill. They were exhausting and unproductive. There was a sense of getting nowhere fast. I saw, uh, I saw a sign that I can't get out of my mind. It says, "Drink coffee, do stupid things faster and with more endurance." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was self-deprecating, I think, as I say that because uh, I drink, I like drinking coffee. Anyways, we'll deal with that another week. Um, it didn't work. It didn't work. You know, the, the, the life that we live, we, it just didn't work. And so he says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Seek after... And what it is, it's this different identity, right? It's it's no longer are we identifying ourselves with the way things happen down here. We are identifying our status is up there. It's up there. And I want to tell us something really profound for me as I've been sorting this out, is that we don't want Jesus up there. We want him down here. Now think about that. that this is our struggle. And, and this, is, this is the thing that's so hard for us so I'm going about my day. I have a job, and I, I I mess everything up at at work. I I mess everything up in in my profession, and then I say, Jesus, come fix it down here. Come come fix everything I messed up, and and be down here with me. I I, I struggle. You know, maybe maybe you've been struggling with your kids, and you you have that sense of reality that you don't know what you're doing join the club by the way it's hard you know we haven't been parents before and by the time we learn anything it's done right that's encouraging isn't it Uh, so so you're struggling with your kids and and you personally mess everything up in your home and then you go jesus come fix my home I haven't listened to you. I've disobeyed you over and over again, but come fix my home. I want you down here. We struggle with our health down here. We say, Jesus, come fix my health. And come down here with me. And, and this is the thing that's so profound to me of this passage. What's the end of the cul-de-sac? Where is this life ending up? It's not down here. It's not down here. It's up there. And he tells us, he shares with us in this passage, if you've been raised with Christ, if you've identified with his resurrection, if you've been connected with him in that way, seek the things above. Seek the things above. Verse 1, it goes on to tell us why, where Christ is, where Christ is. It's not that he's not involved in our day-to-day life. But after he left this earth, where'd he go? Not down here. He didn't say, I'm going to fix everything down here, and I'm going to make you healthy, wealthy, and happy, and your your kids are going to be perfect. I, a couple of times I thought that's true because my kids are so perfect. But uh, he hasn't told us that we'd always have a job in the sense that we'd make a ton of money. And if we were the white picket fence, and we'd we'd live in the land of four seasons. He never told us that. He told us that I would save you, I would rescue you from the sinful world to be with me for eternity. Do you get that? So we seek the things that are above where he is, that our identity is now up there. If any of you have ever traveled to another country, maybe you've had this experience where Uh, You've traveled, you know, wherever it was, whether you were south of our border, north of our border, across this sea or that sea. And there's a sense in which you wanted to go see or you had a purpose in going and you enjoyed your time as I have. And yet there were things that were just not right in your own mind. And and yet you comforted yourself with what? I don't live here. This isn't my country. This isn't my home. Why? Because your identity was found in another land. This passage is saying that your mind, your mindset, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of what he has done for us, we now think differently, and it's thinking up there. It's how they think there. We're seeking to have our mind identified with the things of heaven, the things of eternity. He says, set your mind or, or seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That idea of seated at the right hand of God is that, first of all, that He has accomplished all that we need. He's seated at the right hand of God, that He is at the side of the Father, reigning with Him. And so the he- the rules of heaven go to the king, and the king is Jesus. And as we think about life down here, down here, that in many ways is all wrong, is all wrong. We uh, think and we seek the things that are above, though they're not true yet down here. Super important that we get this um, because this is the way we live. This is the way we need to live because this is our new heavenly status and it helps us think and act the way we should as being God's people. You go to verse 2 and he says the same thing. How many of you need to uh people to repeat stuff? Point to someone you know if you're if someone's not confessing here. You know, You know, sometimes I don't know if I forget things because I've forgotten what I was supposed to remember. And it's interesting. In the Scripture, the same thing said over and over again. In this passage, look at it. Verse 1, end of verse 1. Verse 2, what does it say? If you didn't get it the first time, set your minds on the things that are above. That's where you should be thinking. And the idea here... Of your thinking or your mind is super important. It's not just that you think that way. It's not just the idea of the intellect, but it's the idea of the will, the will, the idea of your decision making. It's not just that you have the right thinking, but that your decisions are made in such a way that they would be like you're living up there. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And you say, well, we're not living up there. Some, some people struggle with this and they go, oh, I'm just living in the real world. You know, you people, you pastor types, uh, you pastor types aren't living in the real world. Hey, that's not about being a pastor or even a Christian. It's about your identity. Where's your home? What has happened to you? Because if, Christ, if, you're, if you're connected with Christ and his resurrection, that's where you're living. So you will think differently. And some people go, oh, that's not going to work down here. That, that's not really our concern, right? Because this this whole life is just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. So he says again, he says, seek the things, set your minds on things that are above. Set your minds on them. I want to ask you... Um, Where's your mind been lately? Where's your mind been lately? Have you Think about the, the things that dog your feet, the things that uh, drag you down day in and day out. How have you been thinking about them? Have you been thinking like everybody else thinks down here? You've been thinking about your past, your upbringing, and uh, the way your neighbor thinks, or the way your, your friends think, or whatever, and you've said, I'm going to go by their rules. Have you looked to some religious association that you have? You know, I'm a this or I'm a that. And have you said, "Well, this is what they think about this, and so this is what I'm going to think about this, and I'm going to worry about their rules and everything that's going on," and and what I'm asking you is, are you thinking about stuff down here? Or are you, have you set your mind on the things above? Have you looked at the problems in your life through the lens of heaven? Or are you looking through the lens of some five tips or ten traps? Do you see how freeing this message is? Do you see how freeing it is? It, it, I want to even say it's simple. It's about where your identity comes from, how you define yourself. He he says in this verse, verse two. Set your minds on things above, not on the things that are on earth. Why? Why? Been there, tried that, right? I've been on that treadmill. And and the silliness for us, and I wanted to say stupid, but silly sounded a better word. The silliness for us is this if you've come to know Christ, you, you've been you've been on that treadmill, and you you've been trying so many different things. And sometimes you're running hard and getting exhausted, and sometimes you're just flat out lazy and despair. And you're like, it's never going to work. Nothing's going to go good for me. I just quit and sit down on the treadmill. And it doesn't really matter because you haven't gotten any difference going on there, right? You haven't gotten any further. And and so so that's what the earth is. And so he says, don't go back to that. Don't go back to that. God saved you from that treadmill sort of living. And you say, he saved me from my sins. I'm with him. It's great. And then you say, so what do I do now? Hop back on the treadmill. (laughs) No. He says, set your minds on things above. Not on this earthly junk. Not go back to all these things. It's important. It's important. For us to think with our new identity in mind, with our new status. Worldly methods cannot do what Christ can do for you. Worldly methods will not work. We look at verse 3. For you have died. For you have died. Do you know about death? Have you had a loved one who you've gotten the phone call and you say so and so has died? Do you know about what it means to someone says you know they they didn't make it? There's a finality to that, isn't there? There's a sense of despair and, and giving up, and it's meant to be such in this passage. Some of you have already cheated and you've gone ahead. For you died. For you died. It goes on to say, verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Wait, I thought I died. Now you're talking about life. This is so great. Please stick with me. I'm going to get confusing here. So if you look back to chapter 2, what's the big problem in our life in chapter 2? Well, If you look at verse 13, it says, you are dead in your trespasses the idea of trespasses being sins, the things that you have gone outside of what God has uh, called you to obey. And he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then it says in chapter three, you died. You died. And he said, well, there's too much death going on here. This is so great. What did you die to? What did you die to? You died to the death. You died to the dead life. Okay? You quit. You died to that life that was was not worth it, that you weren't getting any place anyway, anywheres. I can't even say it. You died to the death kind of life. You've left it behind. You buried it. It's gone. And why is that great? Why is that great? The reason it's great is because it goes on and says... For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. I want to point out something here. That there's a connection, and it all comes to Christ. In verse 1 of chapter 3, it says we were resurrected, or we were uh, brought to life again. That's the resurrection, right? He took us from that dead state, and he brought us to life. In, in verse 3, it talks about that we were dead, right? How, or we died, what do you think that's connected to? The cross, right? The cross, the cross is where we died, or he died, and then he rose again. And in this connection with us of being connected with his death as well as his resurrection is where we come alive. Where we come alive. And where is this life now? It's hidden with Christ. It's hidden with Christ. Now, when you see that word hidden, have any of you ever lost something in your home? Lost. Yeah. Yeah, some things some things just evaporate into the black hole of nothingness in our home. And they're never to be found again. Nobody threw them out, they just evaporate. I don't know how I don't know if Martians come and get it or I don't know how that happens. There are other things that are just hiding from us. They're just hiding from us. I, I went a month one time without my wallet. It was hiding between the bed and the wall. I don't know how it got there. It's just for a month, it was just sleeping there, doing nothing. This word, this word hidden right here is super important for us to know. What's hidden? What's hidden? Look at the Bible. It's just written right there. It wasn't a trick question. What's hidden? Your life, your life is hidden. But I'm not saying yes to that guy. I'm not following him. Your life is hidden. If you know Christ, your life is hidden. Well, what's the idea of this hiding that's going on? Two things I want to tell you. is First of all, it's safe. It's safe. It's safe. It can't be uh, uh, gotten. and It's protected. It's in a place where, where no one can find it and steal it. That's your life in Christ. It's hidden. It can, it can never be taken away from you. That's such a beautiful, important truth for us to cling to. And your life, after you died with Christ, now you're hidden with Him. Your life is hidden with Him. The second point I want to tell you, and this one might be a little offensive. As I look at, out, out on all of us, all of you, um, uh. There's nothing really all that special in you right now. Sorry, just wanted to say it. Um, Let's move on. I didn't have anything to do with my past. No, I just wanted to say it. No, Uh, if we would gather all of Tehachapi, the the great city of Tehachapi, town, village, uh, if if we gather us all together, there wouldn't be a sense of you standing out in a significant eternal type of way. This amazing thing that you were dead and, and you died to the death, you were identified with Christ and you've been resurrected, there wouldn't be a sense of glow about you that would cause you to stand out in the midst of the regular population. So, there's nothing super eternal about your appearance. Sorry. There's nothing that causes you to stand out. And so for now, for now, There's a sense of your eternality being hidden. That this amazing thing that has happened to you, not everyone can really see it. It's not that you're a secret Christian. People should see that God has changed you, but there's not a sense of how super it truly is. Do you get that? So it's hidden for now. It's hidden for now. And how is it hidden? And where is it hidden? It's hidden in Christ. Hidden in Christ. So we go on. Verse 4. When Christ, who is where we're hidden, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. You see where this is going? That what is hidden, what is hidden will one day be manifest, will be uncovered. And when will that be uncovered? It's when Christ comes back, when he returns. And what is it about Christ coming back that will be so significant? Well, what's your life? Your life is Christ. When Christ, who is your life, who is your life, appears, then we will be with him or appear with him in glory. Do you get that amazing picture? You were dead. You, you, you're dead in your sins, but now you died to the dead way of living. And as Christ died, you, you identified with his death, but you also identified with his resurrection. He brought you into life. And not just that it was life, but that he brings you into glorification. 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 Because our life is in Him, and He is our life. Do you see how significant that is? I told you at the beginning um, that this identification, what Christ does in our life, is, is bigger than we want to think. It's not just a simple thing. It it's, uh, has great implications. It's not minor. It, it's not insignificant, but it's um amazing. Really, the identification that he brings to us today, as uh, as we kind of close and bring our time to together, I, I just want to ask you, what is your life? If someone were to ask you, so who are you? How would you define yourself? What would your status be? I want to tell you that Christ, what he offers is not more treadmill, but he offers himself that we might be identified with him coming from death to life, and this life would now be him, that he would be our all. This is what the Lord brings to us, and this is the change that he will unpack for us in Colossians chapter three. Please pray with me. God, thank you for the blessing of your word. God, I I know that as I consider what it means to set our minds on things above, I know that it's more than just a different way of thinking, but it's a different way of acting as well. It's, It's really living out what you have done for us. The person of Jesus, your son, that you love so much that in his death, resurrection, and even in his glorification that we identify with him and not the death sort of life that we once lived. God, thank you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would work in us to apply this. I pray that if there are any here who don't know you, that they would consider today hopping off the spiritual treadmill and giving their life to Christ. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.